Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I am Deacon Jeff, and we're broadcasting from the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. And I'm joined, as always, by my good friend and co-host, Mr. Tom Dorian. How are you today, Tonto? I'm doing great, Deacon Kimosabi. How are you? Well, actually, Tom, I'm hungry. You're hungry. Well, it's probably a good thing you have that menu sitting in front of you. What are you hungry for, Deacon Jeff? Well, um, I'm hungry for the truth. The truth. Well, I guess you came to the right place. That's right. The Catholic Cafe is serving up truth hot and fresh every day. Excellent. What's on the menu today? Well, Tom, today we're talking about the Catholic Church itself and more to the point, what is church? Now, many people in the world have very different ideas about what church is. Is it a building? Is it a spiritual force? Is it a community of like-minded believers? Is it visible? Is it invisible? I mean, what what is church? Uh, Catholics will... We'll say it like this, that we are members of the one true church. But what does that mean for the other churches? Are, are they not true? Those are some big questions, Deacon Jeff. That's right. So obviously we need some help here. Uh, that's why we brought in our guest. And he's making his way to the table right now. It's, it's Father Bruce Neely. Hello, Father. Nice to be here. Father, welcome to the luxurious corner booth at the uh, Catholic Cafe. Thank you, Deacon Jeff. Tom, did you want to get Hazel over here? I'd love to get Hazel. You said cappuccino. is little cappuccino. Mm-hmm. Okay. We'll get Hazel right on that. Wonderful. Well, good. So, Father, you know what? We're not going to uh, delay. We want to get right into this and figure out for our listeners. We have seven listeners, by the way. Tom, your mother, my mother, our wives are listening. And there's two people that thought they were listening to something else, and they're listening right now. And, of course, the bishop is listening. So, Welcome to all of you. Yes, absolutely. So for our listeners, uh, we want to know just right off the bat, Father, what are your thoughts about what church is? What is church? Sure. Well, actually, some of your own uh, beginning remarks indicated that there is a different understanding of church among so many different peoples. Uh, some people think of church as a series of hamburger franchises. You know, you have a Presbyterian church, you have a Lutheran church, perhaps a block away, then an Episcopal church, uh, an Assembly of God, um, and then a, a, a Roman Catholic church, and perhaps, uh, well, a church of another denomination, or an interdenominational, non-denominational church. Um, so that is the common perspective. It's very much a congregationalist approach. Uh, but the biblical understanding of the church, and especially the Pauline from St. Paul's understanding of church, is a much more organic understanding of church. That, as St. Paul would say, that the church is the very body of Jesus Christ, his very flesh and blood, an extension of Jesus himself. In fact, St. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12, so we, though many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another... Then he says again to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, he says, Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Okay, Deacon Jeff, Father Bruce, what you're saying is that we are all bound together in, one, in the one body of Christ. We who are followers of Jesus, we who go to church, we who believe in Jesus Christ, even though we are a collection of people, of persons, nevertheless, 
We are Jesus in the world today. We actually belong to him. We participate in his very life as individual members of the body of Christ. Just as, you know, your stomach and your tongue and your lungs all work together for the good of your body, so too we who are members of the body of Christ work together for the glory of God. So we have this one body of Christ. But I look around at at all the different churches, the diversity of doctrines, the tapestry, if you will. Is there any way to take all of these very different parts of the one body and and pull them together to unify them? Absolutely. Um, Again, we we love diversity in the United States, and individual churches manifest uh, the diversity of charisms. Uh, For example, United Church of Christ would emphasize the, certainly would bring out the social justice dimension of working for the good, particularly the poor. Uh, The Oriental Orthodox churches, the, the, the beauty of liturgy. Um, the Congregationalist churches would emphasize the uh, need for the church to be democratic, for equality of participation. Each would bring out a different charism. Uh, but as, as a Catholic Christian, one of the things I would, I'd like to say is that we certainly have an opportunity to build bridges among all of these different churches uh, because uh, I like to use the image of uh, a pizza supreme, that somehow we bring together the delicious ingredients of Christianity in uh, a very rich way and kind of affirm the diversity of the Christian charisms, but somehow pull them together in a unity. Now, I heard you use an analogy uh, at a mission you did at a church that I was attending many a year ago, uh, and I still remember that image, and I, I remember especially a couple of side comments you made. One a comment which was interesting was that we have this pizza supreme, we'll call the Catholic Church being the pizza supreme, not in terms of supremacy, is that, that's not the image you mean. You mean that pizza supreme that's got all the ingredients. All the ingredients. So we're, we're, we're sort of seeing a fullness of ingredients here. Yes, and it's very important. Uh, the word fullness is, in, in Greek, it's pleroma. In St. Paul's uh, letter to the Ephesians, that first chapter ends with the church as the very fullness of Jesus, who himself is the fullness of God, the fullness of the universe, the fullness of life. Well, if church is the fullness of Jesus, one looks around and sees the different churches, but one wonders. How can they all come together? How could we pull it all together? And so there is a need to respect the diversity, but also to ask ourselves, how could we build the overriding unity? So now, uh, if you just like pepperoni, Mm -hmm. you know, or if you just like mushroom, or or if you like pepperoni and mushroom, is that the same? Is that... Is that what God intended? Well, you're talking to an Italian-American. Uh, in fact, I, uh, we had a family uh, visit uh, to Sicily when we discovered we have cousins that we didn't even know about who have an olive oil farm. So you're talking my language when you talk about pizza. Uh, all pizzas for me are delicious. You name it, I'll take it. Plain pizza, extra cheese pizza, pizza with pepperoni. Pizza with mushroom. Who doesn't like pizza? Who doesn't like pizza? And the best, of course, is pizza with anchovies. Now, if you give me pizza with pepperoni, delicious. If you give me pizza with pepperoni and mushrooms, better yet. And if you give me pizza, pepperoni, mushrooms, extra cheese, better yet. Which is why, for me, the pizza supreme is the best of all pizzas, even though all pizzas are delicious. Well... The Catholic perspective on religion is that the Holy Spirit is working 
as Pope John Paul II said in his wonderful letter on the mission of the Redeemer, the Holy Spirit is working wherever an authentic prayer is uttered in all religions, and especially so in those religions that embody Christ, who worship Christ, who look on the centrality of Christ, namely the churches. And so we affirm the presence of the Spirit of Christ all over the place and all of the pieces. But is there a church that can have all of the ingredients? We Catholic Christians would like to say, yes, we see that embodied in the Catholic Church, even though sometimes the biggest problem are us Catholics. You know, would you believe that there are people who actually scrape off the anchovies? I would believe in that. In the Pizza Supreme? Would you believe that? I would believe that. I, I, I have to admit, there are a couple of times I didn't eat the anchovies. Yeah. We, have a, we have a church with so much richness, and since we are a family that is so old and so big, that sometimes we take one another for granted, including our faith, including our church. Just as, would you believe that some families have spoiled members and spoiled children? Would you believe that? They don't appreciate what they have. Well, sometimes we don't appreciate ourselves the pizza supreme that we have. Father, that's a, a very uh, uh, interesting analogy, and of course, I think that we're going to have to get Hazel over here now and change our order to a pizza supreme I'm and bring it to the table. That. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we are going to talk more about this when we come back after our break, but I did want to remind the folks at home that they can visit us on the web at www.thecatholiccafe.com. Um, they'll be able to hear this show in its archived state as an MP3, or you can download it to a variety of listening devices. But also we'll have uh, links to Catholic websites. Uh, you can contact us with questions, comments, and reach out to us for follow-up by a qualified minister or layperson, uh, you know, if you, if you care to. If not, you want to be anonymous, that's fine, too. But you can also contact me directly at Deacon Jeff at thecatholiccafe.com. So we look forward to hearing from you. And so with that, we will be back in just one moment. I'm Bess Drzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Lumen Gentium, or the Dogmatic Constitution on the Church, was one of the 16 principal documents of the Second Vatican Council held in Rome, and was promulgated by Pope Paul VI in 1964. This landmark exploration of the nature of the Church, her leaders, her people, and their relationship with God, delves deeply into the heart and soul of the 2,000-year-old Catholic Church. The title, Lumen Gentium, comes from the very first sentence of this historic text, Christ is the light of nations, and establishes both the theme and tone of the entire document. In Lumen Gentium, the Council Fathers make clear that Jesus Christ is the very heart of the Church's identity. In paragraph 5, the Council Fathers state, The mystery of the Holy Church is manifest in its very foundation. The Lord Jesus set it on its course by preaching the good news, that is, the coming of the kingdom of God, which for centuries had been promised in the scriptures. In the word, in the works, and in the presence of Christ, this kingdom was clearly open to the view of men. Before all things, however, the kingdom is clearly visible in the very person of Christ, the Son of God and the Son of Man, who came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Lumen Gentium makes clear the purpose, role, structure, visibility, and authority of the one church. 
Paragraph 8 tells us, This is the one Church of Christ, which in the Creed is professed as one, holy, Catholic, and apostolic, which our Savior, after his resurrection, commissioned Peter to shepherd, and him and the other apostles to extend and direct with authority, which Christ directed for all ages as the pillar and mainstay of the truth. This church, constituted and organized in the world as a society, subsists in the Catholic Church, which is governed by the successor of Peter and by the bishops in communion with him. Although many elements of sanctification and of truth are found outside of its visible structure, these elements, as gifts belonging to the Church of Christ, are forces impelling toward Catholic unity. In Lumen Gentium, the historic Ecumenical Council of Vatican II offered the people of God a new and refreshing look at the time-honored sacred traditions of a centuries-old institution founded by Christ himself. I'm Bester Zimski, and this has been another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. All righty, and welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. We're, of course, broadcasting from the luxurious corner booth at the Catholic Cafe. Tom's still with us. Tom, you still with us? I'm still with us, Deacon Jeff. Well, Tom, I just want to make sure that you're uh, you're getting all this information that Father Neely is uh, is passing out I'm here. I'm getting it. I'm anxious to hear a little bit more about the pizza and, and uh, what kind of ingredients there are. And Well, speaking of ingredients... And we're speaking with Father Bruce Neely, of course. Um, Father Bruce, you know, let's talk about what, what does it take to make a church? What goes, what goes in the pizza that we're talking about? Okay, well, in the uh, Acts of the Apostles, there in the New Testament, we find four elements of the infant church. Namely, prayer. this is Acts 2, verse 42. Prayer, the teaching of the apostles, koinonia, which is a Greek word sometimes translated fellowship, better translated solidarity or communion, the communion of saints, for example, the common good, uh, and the breaking of the bread. So those four elements, prayer, the teaching of the apostles, the uh, koinonia, the solidarity, and the breaking of the bread are what went on in the early church. Now, the more we enter into those activities, prayer, study of the teaching of the apostles, solidarity, working for the common good for one another, and the breaking of the bread. The more we build a church, which has been described by the Council of Nicaea, an early council of the church, as giving us four marks of the church, four signs of what the church actually looks like is the more we enter into those four ingredients. And let, yeah, let me guess. They're pepperoni, mushrooms, sausage, and anchovies. Is and, that- and there you go. And, uh, yeah, and perhaps a little steak and sometimes hamburger, you know, to, to make up the pizza supreme. No, we're not talking about pizza, pe- pepperoni, and, and anchovies. But we are talking about one holy Catholic and apostolic. Now, these four marks that you mentioned, uh, f- for our Catholic listeners out there, obviously... Every time we come together for Sunday Mass uh, or a Holy Day of Obligation, uh, we'll do our profession of faith. Uh, and this is uh, the creed that was the, developed the from Nicene that council. Creed. That's right. correct. Like a 325 AD, I believe. Yeah, that's, that's correct. So that's, uh, mm-hmm. that's way back when, mm-hmm. obviously. A long so time ago. We've had that same creed, and that's where we hear that identity. And by marks. the way, that council was called in order to address 
very crucial issues in the church, particularly who is Jesus Christ? Who is Jesus Christ? And, uh, of course, that same council came up with Jesus Christ is God from God, light from light, true God from true God. The divinity of Jesus Christ was affirmed as against the Arian Christians who uh, kind of looked upon Jesus as a kind of a mermaid, you know, half half God, half human, or a centaur, half man, half horse. No, Jesus Christ is is. God, fully God and fully human. So that council was dealing with a lot of really heady issues which at the time. Which we really needed to, because, which is why we need a church. See, without a church, we'd be all over the place. And at the end of that creed is where they identify what church is, yes. what those four marks. Yes. One, holy, Catholic, and apostolic. Yes, and if you think about it, 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 it makes sense. For example, the more we pray, the more we are one people. The family that prays together stays together, at least ideally. And, uh, of course, uh, in Catholicism, we have this uh, tremendous uh, uh, tradition of of, uh, contemplative prayer, charismatic prayer, intercessory prayer, the prayer of contrition, the prayer of intercession, these different styles of prayer, and people who have embodied prayer to such a a beautiful and heroic degree, like people like uh, Thomas Merton, St. John of the Cross, uh, models of mystical prayer. And um, the, the spirituality of the church really comes out in the prayerfulness of the church, which is why we have this overriding unity uh, in Catholicism. I also might add that this creed is embraced also by the Oriental Orthodox churches, which, like us, are the oldest of churches. And we have so much in common with the uh, Eastern Orthodox churches, which we don't celebrate enough. Um, so we have the unity, the unity of we are one church. A lot of diversity, a lot of variety, but the Bible speaks of one church. Jesus says, on this rock I will build my church to St. Peter. That, of course, is Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. But, Father, there are many other instances in sacred scripture where we clearly see that God intended there to be just one church. In fact, in John chapter 10, verse 16, we read, so there shall be one flock, one shepherd. Mm-hmm. And St. Paul tells the Ephesians, this is chapter 4, verses 4 through 6, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to be the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all, who is above all and through all and in all. That's right. Of course, it's not just in the New Testament that we see this. The Old Testament even prefigured one church. Uh, And for us Catholics, one Eucharist. Back in Exodus chapter 12, verse 46, we read, In one house shall it be eaten. You shall not carry forth any of the flesh outside the house. This, of course, referring to the Jewish sacrifices. So, obviously, one church was always the intention of God. And which brings us to the second mark. The church is apostolic, which means we go back to the life of Jesus himself, his life with the apostles. The more we study the teaching of the apostles, the more we get back to basics, to the book, the more we, in fact, become what we are supposed to be, proclaimers of the word of God. And this, of course, would be an appropriate time to mention that a lot of people think that the Catholic Church has a a history of inventing doctrine, of creating from whole cloth, if you will, many of her teachings, when in fact the church treasures her apostolic roots and traces all that she teaches 
back to apostolic times. Apostolic times, and of course, in the Bible, you know, the New Testament is the very basis of our faith, and actually was born in in the womb of the church. Uh, It's it's in many ways the church's book, just as what we call the Old Testament, really the Hebrew scriptures, came out of the people of God, came out of the Jewish people. It was their book. So, too, the New Testament came out of the life of the church. It was kind of the the wedding album of the wedding. You know, you can't have a a wedding album without a wedding. Well, the church is the wedding. It's, It's the people. It's the folks. And the reflection on Christ and on the message of Christ and the letters that the apostles wrote to the early churches, particularly the letters of St. Paul, became what we call today the New Testament, and it was born within the life of the church. So the more we kind of get back to the norm of the New Testament, the more apostolic we become. And thanks be to God, we have in Catholicism something that no other church has, and that's, of course, the Petrine ministry, that we have someone who we believe is actually doing what St. Peter did in the early church, pulling it all together as the universal pastor. No wonder people uh, listen to the words of of Pope John Paul II, of Pope Benedict, you know, precisely because they know that this figure represents something beyond themselves, a tradition going back... That's absolutely years. true, and you know what? That's going to be a future show topic. We've got an entire show planned based on uh, you know Peter uh, and being the f- the first pope in the Catholic Church, and and, mm-hmm. and had all of his successors uh, in, well, in line after that. Let's go on to the third element of the pizza supreme. And you know what it is? It's not pepperoni. Got to be sausage. Maybe maybe Canadian bacon. You're getting close. It's actually the koinonia. It's the solidarity. It's that community life. And it's community life where, as the Acts of the Apostles says uh, in Acts chapter 2, it was a giving according to the needs, a generosity according to the needs of the members, particularly the most vulnerable, the poorest. Uh, St. Paul says, you know, the, the weakest among us represent the greatest honor. He says that in 1 Corinthians 12 on the body of Christ. And that gives birth to what we call in Catholicism social teaching. And um, one of the things I love about uh, Catholicism is the social teaching of the church, that we believe that human life is sacred from conception until natural death, that we believe in the sacredness of family life. We who are an e pluribus unum church, out of many one, can offer a lot to an e pluribus unum country. We could respect the diversity and yet bring about an overriding unity. Now in Acts 2.42... We do read the Greek word koinonia, uh, translated as fellowship or, or as you said, community or, or common good. And so this would roughly coincide with that mark of the church that the Nicene Fathers called holy. I can see that the connection between holiness of living and the sacred act of, of working for the common good. Now, we should also note that the church is holy not because of any human action, not because of anything that we do, but because she is consecrated and dedicated uh, to God and because she is eternally united to Jesus Christ and uh, we are his body. Uh, so in doing these works of mercy, you mentioned, Father, uh, feeding the poor, uh, taking care of the homeless, nurturing uh, those on the fringes of society, etc., by doing these works, we unite ourselves to Christ himself and participate in his divinity uh, and his holiness. So, you know, we've talked about three of the four marks of the church, Father. Uh, we're one church, uh, united in prayer. We're a holy church, Koinonia we just talked about. 
and we're an apostolic church founded on the teachings of the apostles themselves. So what's the fourth mark we need to cover? And that is, of course, the breaking of the bread, the Eucharist, the sacramental life of the church, that we in Catholicism believe that when we celebrate the sacraments, we are being touched by Jesus himself and not only touching the body of Christ when we touch one another, when we embrace one another in the holiness of these sacraments, but are being even touched by Jesus himself. And so the breaking of the bread. You know, I've been to several experiences called World Youth Days, you know. Well, you know, you'll have uh, a million young people from 190 countries celebrating their different ethnicities, their nationalities, their cultures, their, their richness, their diversity, and yet coming together at the closing mass to break the same bread, the same Eucharistic bread. Um, that's what we mean by Catholicity, that tremendous respect for universality, for diversity, to actually enter into and celebrate well, that cultural diversity. Well, in fact, the word Catholic means universal. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it means, and that's, that's what binds us together. Mm-hmm. It's what binds us together, and yet we could all come together around the one Eucharistic table. Well, and you've done it again, Father. You've, you've mentioned a topic that obviously a lot of our listeners – uh, at least six of the seven listeners, are going to want to know more about. And we're going to focus again on the Eucharist. And we have actually many programs that we're going to focus uh, on individual doctrines. And that reminds me again that I, I really would love to hear from you uh, out there at home and let me know what it is that you want to have answers to. We, uh, we have an opportunity here for you to uh, email us. Uh, you can email me directly at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. Uh, and we'd love to have your questions or comments uh, th- so that we can address these issues later and clear up any kind of questions, uh, answer any kind of inquiries, or uh, if you have some kind of uh, longings uh, for something from your past, uh, if you used to be Catholic and you're interested in getting involved in the church again, or if you're not Catholic and you just want to know more about what the church teaches, that's an opportunity for us to do that. We've spoken a lot here about the nature of church and where we are church, you know, and, and how do we make church. Uh, we also talked about pizza, but hopefully you can see that analogy and see where it applies. So, Father, Deacon Jeff, that would mean for it to be a genuine church, it would have to have all four marks. That's right. We have one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. These are the four marks by which we identify the church. The church that Christ founded. Father Bruce, I just want to thank you so much, Father Bruce Neely, for being with us today and being a guest uh, on our program. Uh, and, uh, of course, Tom, speaking for you. I don't yes. speak for you. You're sitting there. You oh, thank you, Father. We enjoyed your company and enjoyed your visit. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Deacon Jeff. And I did want to close in prayer. Uh, so if we could just consider what we've heard, uh, consider these words, and, 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 and try to figure out what it is that's God's, that God is saying to us, uh, just open our hearts to the prompting of the Spirit. So pray with me. Heavenly Father, we ask you to bless us as we contemplate all that we've heard today. We ask you to send your spirit of truth that we may discern your will for us and allow us to put aside what the world would have us see so that we can see clearly that which you have truly revealed to us so that we may follow in your Son's way and come to live with you forever. We ask you to grant this through Christ our Lord, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. 
For more information, visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com. You'll find many links to Catholic resources on the web. You can also listen to previous shows online, download MP3s, or take advantage of our podcast feature. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stein, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table. Ooh.